I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah 53. We'll be reading verse 12. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Right now we're going to hear John Carter's sermon, The Man Who Wrote His Own Life Story Before He Was Born. I have a sense tonight that the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. I believe this tonight, that God is going to come and visit us with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that God is going to move here tonight as he's never done before. The topic tonight is an amazing topic. The man who wrote his own life story before he was born. Who was Jesus? It seems impossible. How can a man write his own life story before he was born? You say, it's an absurdity. Except, 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 except if he were God. Tonight we're going to answer the question, who was Jesus? Was he just a good man or was he the God-man? It was predicted, this is the 10th prophecy, that he would be crucified. In the book of Psalms, written a thousand years before he was born in Bethlehem, we read these words, Psalm 22 and verse 16. Psalm 22 and verse 16. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. When those words were written, my beloved friends, uh, crucifixion was unknown. They didn't crucify people back in those days. But the Roman soldiers at the instigation uh, of the religious hierarchy took the Son of God uh, and they laid him on a cross, a wooden cross, It was the worst of suffering. And as he hung upon the cross, the sin of the world of Port Moresby in Sydney and Melbourne and New York and Los Angeles, the sin of all of us, was laid on him. For one brief moment in time, he was unfurled on the cross like a wounded eagle. Why? Because he loves you so. Will you not come to him? Will you not believe in him? Will you not follow him? If there had been only one lost soul, he would have gone through that for that one lost soul. Who is this man they crucified? 
Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Creator of the universe. And He went through that because He loves us. Who was this man? More than a man. It was predicted He'd be crucified with criminals. Prophecy number 11, Isaiah 53, verse 12. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. He will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death, he was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. He was crucified between two thieves. So that you and I might know that we are never alone. That he came to die for sinners. Somebody may say tonight in this great audience, the fast audience, probably a hundred thousand people here tonight, you may say, What shall I do? Accept him. Believe in him. Believe in him. Prophecy number 12 written by Isaiah 700 years before he was born. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6 that he would be our substitute. He would come and he would take our place. But he was pierced. Think of the words, my friend, you're never going to be the same after this meeting. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. More than a hundred years ago in the great city of London, every morning you'd see on the mighty bosom of the Thames River a little boat that stank. It was called the sludge vessel. All the sewage of that great city was put inside the sludge vessel and it went out into the Atlantic and it got rid of the sludge. The sludge and the filth and the sin, the evil, the lying, the stealing, the crime, the blasphemy, the commandment breaking, all of those sins, our pride, our religious self-righteousness was put upon him. He was sinless. He was holy. He was God in human flesh, but he bore our sin. He has already borne your sin. You don't have to pay the price for your sins. He has already paid the price for your sins. He paid it. <laughs> Prophecy number 13. It was predicted that the people would cast lots for his clothing. Can you believe it? Cast lots for his clothing, his beautiful robe. Psalm 22, verse 18, written 3,000 years ago, the prophet, inspired by the Spirit of Christ, said, They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. As he hung upon the cross, the Roman soldiers sat down and they gambled over the only thing 
that he possessed in this world, and that was his robe. They didn't tear it. They gambled for it. It is written. It was predicted a thousand years before he died that not one of his bones would be broken. Psalm 34 and verse 20, written by King David, who was also a prophet, you read these words, Psalm 34 and verse 20, hear the word of the Lord. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Jesus was crucified on the Friday. And before the Sabbath came in, this is what happened. They came to look at those men, the three men, the two criminals and the Christ. And they had a custom. They would not leave the bodies up there on the Sabbath because they believed in keeping the Sabbath while they crucified the man who'd given them the Sabbath. And so what they did was this. The Roman soldiers went around and they broke the legs of the thieves and they took those men down and they left them lying on the ground under the cross. And when the sun went down on the Sabbath, Saturday sunset, they would put up those men again and they may live on those crosses in hell for a week. It was a terrible death. A terrible death. There was no death like crucifixion. But when they came to Jesus, they discovered that he was dead already. And a soldier took a spear and thrust it in his side, and out came blood and water. He died of a broken heart. His great heart ruptured. But they did not break his legs, exactly as it had been predicted by the prophet David a thousand years before the Christ died. It was predicted that he would be buried with the rich. The prophet Isaiah, 2,700 years ago, 700 years, I tell you, before he was born. Isaiah 53 and verse 9 made this fascinating prediction. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, he died with the wicked, he died with the thieves. But after he died, some rich people came along and they said, let us take him. Let us take him because we love him. And a rich man gave Christ his own tomb and he was buried in the tomb of a rich man because of the Bible prophecy. My friend, listen to me, I appeal to you. There is nobody else in all of the world. There is nobody else in all of creation who fulfills the specifications of this prophecy and all of these prophecies. I'm here tonight to bear testimony to the truth that Jesus Christ is the almighty Son of God he is the Messiah. He is our Lord. And He is our coming King. And tonight I say, 
Hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus. My friend, uh, he is the man who wrote his own life story before he was born. It was predicted. Now here we come. Hallelujah. It was predicted in Psalms 16, 10 and 11 that he wouldn't stay in the grave, but that he would get up out of that grave. It was predicted that death could not hold him in the grave. It was predicted he would come up. Look at the text. Psalm 16. And Jesus inspired these prophecies. Because you will not not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You've made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Listen, my friend. They put him in the tomb. And the Roman soldiers put a seal on the tomb. They said, we've got rid of that troublemaker. People have been saying that for thousands of years. We've got rid of that troublemaker, Jesus. And they they put a, a big stone on the mouth of the tomb. And then they sealed the tomb. They sealed it with a mighty seal of mighty Rome. But you wait for it. On Sunday morning, there was a tremendous earthquake. And a mighty angel came down from the courts of glory. And all that tomb, all the tombs were shaking. And all of a sudden, uh, that stone rolled away. And Jesus got up out of the sleep of death. And Jesus walked to the mouth of that tomb. And Jesus cried out, I am the resurrection and the life. Listen, my friends, Jesus is alive. We don't serve a dead Christ. We serve a living Christ. And I want you to know tonight, I can feel his presence in this place. Jesus is alive. He wants to come to you. He wants to help you with your problems. He's alive. And the Bible says this Living Christ is coming back in power and great glory. Now listen to me. Listen to me. There are four possibilities concerning the resurrection of Christ. Number one, that the Jews came and stole his body. But if that is true... Why didn't the Jews produce the body and destroy the infant Christian church? A dead Christ would have finished off Christianity. No, the Jews didn't get the body. The second possibility is that the Romans took the body. The Roman soldiers say, some people say, the Romans came and stole the body. Well, the Romans wanted him dead. When the disciples started to preach the resurrection of the dead, the Romans could have finished that. They could have wiped out the Christian church by saying, hey, here's the dead body. 
The Romans did not steal the body. The third possibility is that the disciples stole the body. That's what the Jews said. The disciples came and stole the body. It's a lie. Can you imagine 11 dispirited, broken, frightened, crushed, disillusioned men with the women storming the tomb, overpowering the Roman soldiers and taking the body of Christ? It's an utter impossibility. The Jews didn't get the body. The Romans didn't get the body. The disciples didn't get the body. The body was resurrected by the power of God. Jesus walked out of that tomb. And because he lives, we shall live also. Now listen as you've never listened before. All these predictions are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. If there's somebody here tonight and you say, I don't know what I can believe, my friend, you can believe the truth. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth liberates us. I want to say to every person tonight that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the creator of the universe. He's the Savior of the world, and He loves you, and He wants to save you tonight. Listen. You've all heard of the Battle of Waterloo when the British fought the French. Wellington was fighting Napoleon. And for a while, nobody knew which way the battle was going to go. Went back and forth all through that day of blood and horror. But in the end, the British won. Wellington defeated Napoleon. The British had set up signal points where they could send signals. And after the battle, as the night came on, the British sent signals back to the homeland because the homeland was in fear. What, what happens if Napoleon wins the battle? We, we will be invaded by the forces of Napoleon. We will be destroyed. And so, the British on the continent sent a message back to Britain and they flashed it out. And this is how it went out. It went out. Wellington. Here it is. Wellington. Defeated. And then the clouds came down. And the people in England were filled with fear. Wellington is defeated. Napoleon is going to invade us. But then the clouds were lifted. And the message went out again. Wellington <laughs> defeated Napoleon. It was victory. It was victory. Victory. Listen to me. On Friday, before the Sabbath came in, when our Christ died, 
the clouds of discouragement and the message went out, Jesus, Jesus, defeated. That's what the devil thought. And the clouds came down. Across the universe went this message. Jesus defeated. It was the worst day in the history of the universe. Jesus defeated. But on Sunday morning, when Jesus walked out of the tomb, the clouds were lifted and the message went out from star to star. Jesus defeated Satan and death. Jesus defeated? (laughs) No, no, no. Jesus defeated? Wellington defeated? No, no, no. Jesus defeated Satan and death. Now, listen to me. I feel a terrible conviction upon my soul now. I don't want you to go home until I pray with you and give you the opportunity to accept this Christ who died for us, who bled for us, who rose from the dead for us. Tonight as never before, we're going to have a prayer. I'm going to get you to stand and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray tonight that in some way the Spirit of God will come into this meeting and take over this meeting and use these poor, stuttering lips of clay to lead us all home to the kingdom of God. I want you all to stand. The people have asked me the question, why have you come 10,000 or more miles from Los Angeles? Why have you come here? I've come here to tell you that God loves you and that Jesus died for you. Jesus said, for God so loved the world, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I tell you tonight, if you and I will come to Christ tonight, a miracle will happen in our lives. So I want you to bow your heads. What I love about this audience is that it is so respectful as far as worshiping God. People don't move. It's the best audience in the world. I want you to bow your heads. You may be half a mile from me back there in this huge congregation. But I want you to hear. People are standing up here. People are over there. They're on the hills. They're on the streets. And surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power. Please bow your heads. Close your eyes and think of Christ on the cross. Our Father, 
I am completely unworthy to present this message to this vast audience. I want to thank you tonight for seeing John Carter and coming down from glory and giving your life for this sinner. I want to thank you tonight for coming down from glory, from your throne in glory, where you were the creator of the universe and dying for the people of Port Moresby. I want to thank you tonight that if there had been only one sinner here, there would have been a cross and a Savior in agony. Oh, how you love us. I cannot understand this, my Father, but I want to thank you tonight. Now, Lord, I don't have the words tonight. I don't know what to say, but take over the meeting now and talk through me. As we're praying here tonight in the presence of God, every head bowed and every eye closed, how many will raise a hand and say tonight, I will believe in Jesus and I will accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Would you raise your hand tonight? Lift up your hand high. I want you to send a message home tonight to Jesus. Oh, Jesus, look at the hands tonight. Jesus, look at the hands. You're alive tonight. Your spirit is here tonight. Look at all my brothers and sisters here in this great auditorium. We're raising our hands tonight to accept you as our own personal Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you now to do something else. I do this all around the world. I've done it in Moscow. I've done it in St. Petersburg. I did it in Honiara a few months ago. I do it in Los Angeles. If you feel tonight you have a special need and you need prayer and you need strength to follow Christ, I'm going to ask you to come down the front here for prayer because I want to pray with you. And I'm going to ask you just to come now, very quietly. Come now. Think how he came for you. I want the ushers to move back further. Let the people come. Give them some more room. Ushers, come back a little bit. Come forward, my dear friends. Come back a little bit, ushers. Let the people come. Let the little children come. Let them come. Don't keep them away from me. Let them come. Let them come. I want them close to me because I love them. My friends, have you heard of the Via Dolorosa? That's the road that Jesus walked when he went to the cross, when he carried the cross. The Via Dolorosa, it means the way of sorrows. 
Jesus walked a long, long way for you. Maybe we can walk a little way for him tonight. I know it's so hard for you to come. Some of you have to come about a half a mile. But I want you to come, and as you come tonight, you say, I'm coming because I'm going to follow Christ. There's still plenty of room over here. I want you to come. Remember, he came down from heaven for you. Can't you come a little closer to him? Think of him on the cross. Think of the pain and all the sorrow. And think how he loved you so. And when you realize that, you'll want to come to him. There's so many people coming now. They're coming over there. I don't want anybody to hold back. There's room at the cross for you, friend. And there's room over here still for you to come. And tonight we're coming here because we're saying, I need Christ. Christ died for me. And tonight I'm going to come and I'm going to give him my heart. And as you give Christ your heart tonight, a miracle is going to happen in your life. Look, there are so many people coming over there. Just keep on coming. Hear the words, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Maybe tonight there's somebody here and you're holding back and there's a voice talking to you you know what that voice is? it's the voice of the Spirit of God and I want you to listen to the voice of the Spirit of God tonight and I want you to say Lord I'm coming home I'm coming to you And as we come down the front here, we're going to have a special prayer for these people. We're going to have a prayer for everybody. But we want you to come down here for a special prayer. You asked me this question tonight. What purpose is there in coming forward? Would you like me to tell you? It is an act of faith. It is an outward act of faith. And as I come with my feet, as I come with my body, so it helps my soul to come. So I want you to come by faith tonight. And there are still hundreds of people coming. We're going to wait for you. I'm so glad to be here tonight, aren't you? Can't you tell tonight that God is here, my friend? Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel him here tonight. 
Souls are coming to Christ and souls are being saved. Listen to me. All look at me. You folks here, look at me. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. I'm a sinner. We're born this way. But when you and I come to Christ and confess our sins, he forgives our sins. He washes us. Let me tell you something quite amazing. Say a man comes into this meeting tonight. He's a murderer. Can you imagine that? He's a murderer. He came to this meeting tonight with a heart of stone. So hard. But when he heard about Christ tonight, that hard stone heart started to soften. And he said, oh Lord, I'm just a sinner. I know I deserve hell. But Lord, forgive my sin. And I accept Jesus as my Savior. You know what God does? God puts his arms around him. And God says, welcome home, my son. I forgive you. And I give you the gift of everlasting life. Remember, the greatest text, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is yours tonight if you believe with all your heart. There are still people coming. But right now, I want to make an appeal perhaps to a man or a woman who's way back there in the bleachers. I know it's hard for you to come. That's why you need to come. The very act of coming is an act of faith. And as you come by faith, God is going to bless you. And as you and I believe tonight, a miracle happens in the heart. God changes our hearts. God takes away the hard, stony heart. Did you know, inside we're all the same. And we need the blood of Christ. Would somebody else like to come tonight? There are still people coming. I don't want to stop this appeal until you come. I don't want to miss out anybody. I don't want somebody to say, if he'd waited another minute, I would have come. So I want to wait for you tonight. Listen to the words. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. And when you have Jesus tonight, you're the wealthiest person in the world because you have everlasting life. I want to wait for those people who are coming. I see that some are coming slowly, and that's because maybe there are some here tonight you're resisting and you're saying, I just don't want to do this publicly. 
It's a little embarrassing. My friend, think of Christ on the cross tonight and come forward to accept him and believe in him tonight. Is still coming over there? Come, my friends. Come to Christ tonight. Is there anybody over there? Maybe you can't get out of there because, you know, you're just in so tight. Got so many people, thousands, tens of thousands, probably a hundred thousand, all in a small space, and you're saying, I just can't move. Well, God understands that. But if you can move, there's people coming over there. want you to come. Thank you. Isn't it beautiful here? The breeze, the presence of God, knowing that Christ has met with us. Folks are still coming. Keep coming because I'm going to pray for these people now. So many here. They're still coming over there. I know that there are thousands who want to come. You can't get down. God understands. How many down the front here tonight have got a real special need and you need prayer? Can you raise your hand if you've got a special need? Let me include this great audience. Those who've got a special need tonight, you want to raise your hand. You may have some problem in your life and you need God's blessing. Maybe there's someone here tonight, you need the touch of God upon your life for healing. Doesn't matter what the problem is, our Christ is more than sufficient for any and every problem. And tonight we're standing down here because we're saying, and you're raising your hands tonight to say, I truly believe in Christ. I want to say to the whole audience tonight, as far as my voice can go, I want us to, we did it before, I want us to confirm it. I want to see the hand of every person tonight who will say, I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Would you raise your hand as you say that tonight? I want to see a hundred thousand hands. I want you to send home a message to God tonight. God, we heard your voice and we thank you for Jesus. And tonight we're following him and we're going to be with Christ in paradise. Now I want you to bow your heads, all of you now. Put your hands down. And we're going to say a special prayer for you. Dear Father God, we thank you for this extraordinary meeting tonight. We thank you for our magnificent Christ. We thank you that the creator God, the one who made the cosmos, became a man of flesh and bones and blood. He was born as a little baby in the Middle East. That he was a man for all men and for all women. We thank you that our Christ died on the cross for our sins because it tells us he loves us so. 
Dear Lord, put in the hearts of my brothers and sisters here tonight the message, God loves me. Christ died for me. Christ is washing my sins away. He is changing my heart. He is making me into a new person. And tonight I accept by faith the gift of the forgiveness of my sins and the gift of everlasting life. My Father, bless these precious and wonderful people. Watch over them, fill them with joy. And at last, dear Father, save every one of them without any missing. In the kingdom of God, we worship you, we bless you, we praise you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.